0: Hey everybody! What is going on? Thank you guys so much for joining us on this uh, new episode of Drew Code. Uh, it is a little different. Yeah, I'm doing a solo show right now. Uh, unfortunately, Drew wasn't able to make it for this week, but no worries, guys. I got a good episode for you guys, and I'm coming at you with some Super Bowl talk to start off with. Uh, but before we get started, don't forget to go and follow us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Drew Code Sports Talk. Also, don't forget to visit the website drewcodesportstock.com for full episodes of our podcast and YouTube videos and all that good stuff. And also head over to YouTube to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So um, with all those businesses aside, let's get right into the episode, you guys. So like I mentioned, we're talking about Super Bowl 55. So uh, a super good matchup. You guys couldn't have asked for a better Super Bowl to be truthful. We got the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 55. Uh, Last week, Drew and I did kind of chit chat a little bit about this. We didn't really give a solid prediction. We told um, the audience who we were kind of leaning towards. But um, for the most part, we didn't make any hard iron predictions, at least um, to my ears. However, uh, I'm going to go over some of the game and the matchups, and I'm going to kind of just give the uh, Drew formula is what I call it to predicting who's going to win the Super Bowl. And for those who don't know, or for those that do know Drew's formula is he looks at the quarterback, he looks at the defense, and he looks at the coach. And uh, basically, whoever has the better of those three, uh, he dubs those as the as the victors, essentially, and in his prediction. So we're going to kind of go through that formula as well. I'm going to kind of go through it step for step. So um, here we go. So we're gonna look at the quarterback matchup. Of course, we got Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady matching up in this Super Bowl. We literally have the GOAT uh going to the Super Bowl for the 10th time, going for his seventh ring. Crazy to think about. Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl for the second year in a row, going for his um going for a back-to-back Super Bowl, which has only been done a handful of times. Uh so it's truthfully, it's the perfect matchup. I mean, we have the young Phenom quarterback up and coming in the league going against, you know, no argument, the greatest, you know, quarterback to ever step foot on the gridiron uh, going one on one against each other. Um, So just to look at their weapons real quick, Tom Brady, he's got the following. He's got Gronk, of course, at his tight end, AB, who they signed, uh, you know, in the middle of the season. Uh, Mike Evans, who's been basically a red zone beast for them all year. And Chris Godwin, who is so speedy, so fast. Um, and then you got Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey, probably arguably the best tight end in the game today. Tyreek Hill, which is arguably one of the best receivers this game has ever seen with how fast he is, his route running ability. Mark Holdman, um, who is also a speedy guy, um, a little underrated, but he's definitely a weapon in this offense. And Clyde Edwins Hilaire, uh, who is also the phenom running back for this, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs team, beg your pardon. Uh, but if I had to look at these weapons, um, you know, going down the line, I would also look at the quarterback too. I think Tom Brady, even though he is 43, he's done a great job. He's thrown for something 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns or something along those lines or close to 40 touchdowns. I'm looking at this and I'm still saying that I think Mahomes is the, is the clear favorite in this one. Um, his arm is just super electric. Um, he usually finds uh, ways to get the ball out. He makes these wicked no look passes, and he even, I think, uh, this off season um, earlier in the start, he wanted uh, Andy Reid's blessing so that way he can start throwing behind the back throws. You know, so that that's the kind of swagger you gotta want in a quarterback to just know that he's uh, he's proven and he's got the stuff. But overall, you guys, I would say for me, I would probably go with Patrick Mahomes. Younger arm is a little bit more electric. I like Kelsey and Hill above majority of um, Brady's um, weapons just because they're kind of proven. They've all been together now for several seasons where Brady is still, you can tell is still trying to get on the same page with some of his receivers, not necessarily grunk, Um but you can just tell like it just is taking an extra minute for them to kind of get on the same page. Um, and especially with like Chris, uh, Chris Godwin last week, um, he had a couple of crucial drops in their NFC championship game against Green Bay and had, you know, the Buccaneers not kind of, um, you know, not kind of persevered, uh, that kind of probably would have cost them the game just because of those drops for like, you know, extending the possession or just getting that extra yardage that they might need for whatever the situation calls for. But for the most part, I would say that I, I prefer Patrick Mahomes in this kind of quarterback breakdown. Um, so I'm giving the dub over here to the quarterbacks. So. Next, we're going to go with the defense. We're going to compare um, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers defense. For this one, flat out, I'm going to say that the Buccaneers defense is the one that I I would say dubs the victory in this one. Um, The reason why is because as I'm looking at their stats, just in the playoffs, the Chiefs have a hard time uh, pressuring the quarterback. Um, They've only done five sacks the two postseason games that they've played, and they've only done three total takeaways. So there's only one interception and I think like two forced fumbles. And as opposed to Tampa, who has seven sacks already in their two games and has eight takeaways with three forced fumbles and also five interceptions. So, you know, and then there's Jason Pierre-Paul that already has two sacks. I I believe Shaq Barrett has three sacks of his own. So, you know, that team is definitely a lot younger, a lot more spry. They're all over the field. They're going to be a tougher matchup. Um, I would say that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a hard time, you know, finding time in the pocket considering he just lost Eric Fisher for the rest of the postseason with an Achilles injury in the last game. Um, so in this matchup, I would give it to the Buccaneers as the defense that is probably going to win their matchup. I mean, that's going to be the tale is what defense is going to show up because there's no doubt that these two offenses are huge offensive juggernauts with all the weapons and they're going to probably put on a, a, a beautiful, um, offensive show. And it's really going to be what defense shows up now i've already said that i'm not a huge buccaneers fan i think they're more pretenders than anything but in this case you know they're clearly the better defense of the chiefs the one thing that the chiefs do really well is they score a bunch of points in a short amount of time and it kind of takes pressure off of the defense and what it does is it puts the opposing team that they're like unloading all these points on to have to now be a more of a one-dimensional football team so forget about the run action forget about the run game itself forget about this pl- the you know the game script that most teams have to go against they now are in comeback mode majority of the time and you know you can tell look at uh, look at the browns uh, i mean other than patrick mahomes kind of going out when when you know the chiefs were ahead the the browns basically went away from what their game plan was all season which is you know pound the football pound the football and then make smart throws and you know with the chiefs basically just playing to the score um, they were able to kind of just play some, some decent defense, some, some good pressure defense, not giving up, not doing a whole lot of sacks, you know, but still getting the opposing team to really commit to, you know, going three and out or not being able to finish drives because they were, um, you know, again, they're going, they're going past the game script and what the game plan was because they're trying to catch up. And then also same thing with the bills, you know, bills went up nine, nothing in the first quarter, Following that, it was just nothing but the Chiefs, like an onslaught of points. And what did the Bills do? They went away from their normal game plan, and then they were just trying to come back as quick as possible. Now, granted, they didn't have a run game to begin with, but still, though, they were doing their absolute best to, you know, get points back. And, you know, it came in late, but they were doing it. But all the Chiefs had to do was kind of just not give up anything over the top. And thankfully, that defense is coached pretty well to where they didn't give up too many big explosive plays they followed a pretty good game plan because the bills played right into their game they're coming from behind so whatever run game plan there was or whatever kind of scheme to kind of get digs open it didn't really come to fruition because the chiefs really put it on them and just you know held to that lead they didn't score i mean they scored a ton of points but it wasn't until like you know, the bills were in desperation mode in the fourth quarter. And then the chiefs just kind of turned it on from there again to just make sure that that lead didn't slip away. Um, However, though, I don't think that's uh, really the issue with Tampa. I mean, there's been occasions where Tampa has been down and their defense has been the reason that's helped them get back, whether that's pressuring getting an extra possession back um, you know, pressuring the opposing quarterback to get into a turnover that just turns over all these additional points. So you know that's one of the reasons why I think Tampa Bay's defense is one of those ones that could actually be one of the deciding factors in this game if they just show up. And they've got a young enough core and enough um, veterans in there that you never know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day is still in his what is it fourth year or fourth year total through third year starting, and so you know kind of he's still a younger quarterback. He's just been behind a great team that's put him in positions to win constantly. So. But, you know, for example, just like when the Raiders played uh, the Chiefs earlier this year that gave them essentially their first loss of the year, one of the things that the Raiders did is they just applied pressure and, you know, any, you know, great quarterback pressure given to them, they're going to have a hard time, you know, getting the ball out or finding the receiver because they don't have enough time to find the receiver. I mean, that's someone almost Tom Brady's Achilles heel as well, so to speak, but In this matchup, like I mentioned, guys, I think uh, the Buccaneers is the team that has the better defense in this one. So uh, as a quick recap, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the better of the quarterback in this matchup, in my opinion, just on a pure talent and um, weapons side of it. And then I think the Buccaneers have the better defense um, on that stand front. So now we've got one to one. And so now the deciding tiebreaker is going to be coaches. So Obviously, um, we've got Tampa Bay's coach, Bruce Arians, and then we have Kansas City's coach, Andy Reid. This one was really tough, you guys. Um, one of the reasons why is because I didn't realize how much um, how much Bruce Arians has actually been to the Super Bowl. I was doing some of this research, and I was like, oh, this is his first trip. Yeah, it's his first trip as a head coach, but he was also one of the assistant coaches um, during um, Pittsburgh Steelers' run when they went to, I think it was Super Bowl... 40, and I think it was like 43 or, or uh, one of those older Super Bowls where he was on uh, Pittsburgh's team and he was an assistant coach both those games they won um, and they um, you know he was a pivotal part in that and actually I totally forgot too that he actually came from the Pittsburgh system and when um, he actually was an interim head coach for the Colts um, Andrew Luck's first year by the way um got them all the way to the playoffs and you know that's when kind of Bruce Arians been bouncing around from Arizona now over to Tampa um because he's he's basically those co- that coach that turns around a franchise and now he's going to prove it because he has his quarterback that he's always wanted um and now he's in the playoffs as a head coach for the first time but uh then there's Andy Reid who has been to the Super Bowl. I think this is his third time as a head coach, once with Philadelphia when he lost against Tom Brady, by the way. Um, And then also last season when um, Patrick Mahomes and him, they finally won him his first Super Bowl. Now, this is going to be his third trip, just like this is going to be Bruce Arians' third trip, but first time as a head coach. But if I had to look at these guys back-to-back and I'm looking at their offense, I'm looking at their team, I'm giving giving the nod over to Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, and here's why. They've been together significantly longer in terms of Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kelsey and Hill. Um, Andy Reid just is always so prepared. And one of the things I love to see like on um, like NFL Live or NFL Network, when they kind of talking about coaching trees, I always hear about, you know, Bill Belichick is probably the greatest football mind. But yet you look at some of his coaches that he's had in his um, in his uh coaching staff and there's really only one that stands out to me that's been somewhat successful and I would say that's Brian Flores over uh, down in Miami but other than that like I really can't think of any other former Patriots you know coach that that learned under Bill Belichick that's been super successful but under Andy Reid, there's several coaches that have their fingerprints literally all over the NFL. Now, are some of them in a job? No, I mean over time, you know, NFL teams just kind of cycle through a lot of these coaches, so it's you know it's whatever at this point. But Andy Reid has it looks like almost the most successful um, coaching career I've ever seen and ever heard of. I mean, Doug Peterson, even though he he split from Philadelphia Eagles came from Andy Reid and he won them he won Philadelphia Super Bowl like what was it 3 seasons ago beating Tom Brady ironically um, and I know there's several more examples that's the only one that kind of comes to mind immediately but you know just in terms of like coaching and 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 communication and uh, continuity I just have to say it's Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs I mean Bruce Arians is still we have to all remember this is his first year with Tom Brady, there's been several press conferences we've seen where you can see this little back and forth with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians kind of giving these little, you know, dumb little cheap shots and, um, insinuating, you know, someone's game plan, someone's play call or whatever, you know, and you can just tell like, yeah, they're gotten successful almost because Tom Brady's like what we mentioned the goat, he's got all these weapons. Yeah. It's a good offensive system, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they're executing the plays, but really like they're still alphas that are figuring out together this is their first season and they didn't have a real training camp or off season or mini camp so to speak to really get more familiar or anything like that because of covid however i think this is like not not that covid gives a disadvantage to anybody i'm just kind of giving the point of you know bruce arians and tom brady don't have years of of being together to understand each other like what Tom Brady had with Bill Belichick or like what Andy Reid right now has with Patrick Mahomes where Andy Reid drafted him, sculpted him, basically him and the GMs, you know, built the offense around Patrick Mahomes and his ability and look what's happened. We have literally the most dynamic offense we've ever seen probably in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes all because of Andy Reid's mind and it's no surprise too. I mean, he was doing dynamic things in Philadelphia when he was coaching Donovan McNabb, you know, so Definitely no surprise. It's just, in my opinion, like Andy Reid is the better of the two coaches just because his game plan is always more flawless. Um, his uh, his uh, connection with his quarterback is on another level. You can totally tell. Um, so in my opinion, I think this is going to go to Andy Reid. So what I'm going to predict right now is I'm going to predict that the Chiefs are going to win over the Buccaneers. Uh, if I had to give a score prediction, I would say it's going to be like 38 to like 30. 31. I think it's going to be a very close game, probably a last possession kind of a deal. And I think, you know, the Chiefs defense isn't going to be really it's a, a defense that's going to stand up. I think they'll pressure Tom Brady because he is older is a slower quarterback. So maybe, you know, if the coverage is done well, you know, um, Tom Brady's probably going to get sacked a couple of times, but Tom Brady's very good about climbing the pocket um, and finding his guys and keeping drives alive, but Patrick Mahomes is on another level and they can just, you know, throw points on top of you, like no matter what. And, uh, in my opinion, I think the chiefs are the team that's going to win the super bowl. And I think that the, like I mentioned, the score is going to be 38, 31. I will say though, there are uh, one X factor from each team that I do anticipate. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, your X factors are Chris Godwin and his hands and Scotty Miller. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, the Chiefs secondary isn't that great outside of Honey Badger, who is a ball hawk. I, I like him a lot, but there's no really cornerback on the Chiefs that is uh, shut down or, you know, anything like that. They can be had in any moment. And I think Chris Godwin, who is a freakishly fast athlete, if he can just catch essentially everything that comes his way, then I think Tampa Bay is going to control this game. And same thing with Scottie Miller, super fast, essentially like comparing this is their version in a way of Tyree kill who can take the top off the defense and just create a spark. So, you know, if the chiefs don't kind of account for these two guys, I could easily see Tom Brady going to Godwin and Miller and it opened up for the rest of the game for the Kansas city chiefs. I think that their X factor is the run game. Um, I know that Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think he came back um, last week Uh, going against the Bills and he had some good touches we haven't heard anything from uh, Le'Veon Bell we have no idea why he's not essentially in the game plan or whatever which is kind of odd we thought like they were going to be this ultra juggernaut kind of a team and not really I mean haven't heard him in the playoffs at all and he's this all pro running back which is kind of odd but anyways Clyde Edwards Hilaire I think and also I think uh, the kid's name is Williams I'm forgetting his first name but Anyways, I think those two players right there, if the Kansas City Chiefs run game just shows up to where they are screen catching, finding the open holes, um, you know, getting to the next level, I think it's going to smell spell problems for um, the Buccaneers because now they're going to have to drop those linebackers into keeping an eye on them, which is going to probably open up the, the passing lanes for Kelsey. And Kelsey eats up defenses with linebackers that overcommit. And there's no linebacker that can keep up with him. I mean, you can be physical with him all you want, but even if you put a cornerback on him, he just is too tall for them. So, my opinion, if the Kansas City Chiefs' running game just shows up and is minimal at best, and I'm talking like, you know, if they rush it, you know, 20 times and get 80 yards, four yards a carry, even not even rushing touchdowns, but just enough to be a presence to create the play actions or to just make the defense be more aware of where the running backs are in case of screens. I think the Chiefs then have this one in the bag because then they can do whatever they want with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, They had their way with them. I forgot what week that they played each other where Tyreek Hill went on for 200 and something yards in the first quarter. And then it was just, you know, kind of, letting your foot off the gas and yeah, you know, Tampa Bay did come back, you know, late in that game. But I mean, honestly, if anyone watched that game, you kind of felt like Tampa Bay was not coming back. And at any point in time, if the chiefs wanted to, they would have slapped another 30 points on them and not even blinked about it. So I just think that that's going to be hard to, to beat, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that, uh, and that running game, if it's on point, Buccaneers have, don't have a prayer, no matter how good that defense is. So that's my opinion about it, you guys. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys listening to that ramble of the Super Bowl matchup that we have coming on this Sunday. Uh, Again, don't forget to watch it, you guys. If you guys have a prediction of score, please leave it in the comment section or let us know on social media. Uh, Again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DrewCodeSportsDoc.com. So I'm going to take a quick break, you guys, and we'll be back to talk a little bit about some Raider drama with Derek Carr and also a little bit with Deshaun Watson kind of rumors. So stay tuned. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Drew Code Sports Talk. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the Las Vegas Raider drama that's been happening earlier this week. Um, Drew and I essentially every morning uh, uh, Marco Polo each other, um, which is basically a social media app. If you guys don't know, um, you know you can send video recording messages. Way easier than text messaging, by the way. It's it's great. So, anyways, but him and I basically do that almost every single morning, just to kind of catch up and say hey. And one of our one of our topics was um, this whole. Raider drama with Derek Carr also around Deshaun Watson we actually did a video about uh if the Raiders should trade for Deshaun Watson that's on our YouTube channel if you guys want to go check that out um anyways though um we were talking about it because Colin Calherd was basically talking about what the Texans and I will repeat that what the Texans the Houston Texans should send to the Las Vegas Raiders as a trade proposal um and just to recap Colin Calherd said that the Texans. Should send a trade proposal to the Oakland Raiders of four first round drafts. So taking the Raiders, four first round drafts, including it with Derek, with Derek Carr and Darren Waller for Deshaun Watson. And the reason why his argument was is you can probably get the Houston Texans. Again, this is what Houston Texans would propose to the Raiders to convince John Gruden to make this happen. Because what Colin Calhoun's argument was, there's really no teams that have that. Power other than bill Belichick to other than bill Belichick to really make these decisions. Oh, also John Gruden, because he's got literally the owner's ear. And why is because Mayock may be the GM that makes some football personnels, but essentially John Gruden gets what he wants. Cause he's got a direct line to the ownership and truth be told, if it was Gruden and Mayock Mayock, goodbye. You know, if that's how it was, because that's how much Davis loves John Gruden. Um, anyways, So Colin Cowherd was saying that that's what the Texans should propose to the Raiders. Four first-round picks for Derek Carr, Darren Waller, and Deshaun Watson. John Gruden has that much power in the organization to make that decision over Mayock and also with the owner's uh, consent with essentially mortgaging the future. Now, this put um, Raiders' Twitter in an uproar, and I mean in a huge uproar because Some people were saying we should do it. Some people were saying the Raiders would never do that. And again, um, yeah, I hope the Raiders never do that because we don't need a quarterback. Um, And it is far too much. And I think Raider Nation more or less went over the deep end when Colin Cowherd included Darren Waller. Because Darren Waller has been so great for us And anything, you know, you get Deshaun Watson, you want to keep a player like Darren Waller with him to you know, have a dynamic connection. But in my opinion, I think this is nothing more than just what Colin Calher was basically saying, what sounds like a good proposal that can get a team to think. And, you know, if they did make the decision, you're not in a bad position in the Houston Texans perspective, because now you got four first round picks, essentially in four consecutive years that, you know, you can get some good draft picks out of and build your team around. You have Darren Waller, who is essentially the second best tight end in the entire football and also, you have Derek Carr, who's a proven winner, who had a career high in completion percentage the last two years, um, and also, you know, has thrown I think over four thousand yards two years in a row. Um, and it's not a bad, you know, what he's saying. It's not bad compensation for giving up a player like Deshaun Watson. And again, so I will repeat my position on this, along with what I know Andrew has said: is there's no debate over who's the best quarterback. We're not debating if it's Deshaun Watson or Derek Carr. If we were just saying if who's the quarterback you would prefer on your team right now, you're not giving up any assets, I would probably say, yeah, Deshaun Watson. He brings more to the table. He's more mobile. He's a better passer. He has a stronger arm. That's not to say that Derek Carr is not a phenomenal quarterback who's done a very good job for the Raiders organization since he's been there. However, I will say, though, that I think this is more an indictment on John Gruden. Um, I've been in the camp for the last couple of weeks, and I've mentioned it you know, here and there on some episodes where we talked about Raiders, where I think John Gruden's basically in his final year to two years. Um, I know he signed a 10-year deal. He just finished four, year four. Year five is coming up. I just haven't seen the Raiders take the huge step like I've been expecting. You know, um, The last two years, especially where we get to a point where we're considered a playoff team. And then we fall off at the last tail of the season. This one was more apparent than anything. Um, you know, at one point we were six and three. We had just lost to the Chiefs. We were feeling ourselves and then we go to and uh, what is it? Two and five the rest of the way or two and six the rest of the way. And we finished at an eight and eight record when we were in the hunt for a playoff. And in majority of the teams that made the playoffs, we own the tiebreaker. Like, you know, we own the tiebreaker over the bill or not over the bills. I beg your pardon, over the Browns. You know, imagine if we would have just kept pace. I believe their record was eleven and five. Had we finished eleven and five, we would have made it in the playoffs. So, you know, in my opinion, I don't. I we don't need a quarterback. We don't need to trade for Deshaun Watson. Do I want him? Yeah, but I'm not. I don't need to give up Derek Carr for him. Nor do we need to give up four first round picks. Um, you know, he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, but what's the thing that hurt the Raiders? Their defense. Defense absolutely killed us. We fired. Paul Gunther, you know, a little over halfway from the end of the season. And that's what we need. What are we mortgaging a future for, for a quarterback? That's not going to do more than give us one extra win. So we go nine and seven rather than eight and eight. And we're good with that. And we just give, gave up four first rounds. Oh, by the way, there's no guarantee that Deshaun Watson signs an extension with us. Cause he only has, I believe it's two or three years left on his current deal, which is still a ton of money. I think he makes more than Derek Carr. So we would be giving up more financially and with less commitment, essentially, than what we have with Derek Carr, all for one extra win, and it doesn't even address the absolute. It doesn't address the problem, which is defense. We need to draft for defense. We need to trade for defense. We need to do anything we can to improve the defense. I mean, we have literally John Gruden recruiting. Um, we have literally John Gruden recruiting Richard Sherman on a on a podcast to talk with him and bring him on the team. So. I mean, we need to do everything we can to to sure up the defense, whether that be secondary. I think we need linebacker help for sure. We need more pressure. I've been hearing that Max Crosby basically has been playing with one arm, which I mean, you know, thank you for doing so. But that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't address the problem, which is we had no pressure going to the going to the quarterback or the opposing teams. I think we were like dead last in sacks as a team defense. You know, how bad does a team have to be to be ranked dead last and i think we only had like 21 total sacks 21 total sacks are you kidding me that is that is pathetic we shouldn't we shouldn't be the worst in the league and it it, it wasn't since cleo Mack that we've had the worst defense so we we need to do something i mean i would okay so here's the deal i'm now just thinking of this as i'm talking about it i would be okay with it and also to this kind of addresses that raiders are fielding trade calls for Derek carr um if if we were to trade Derek Carr, it would kind of be ironic. But I would say like if the if the Bears came to the Raiders and say, "Hey, we'll give you Cleo Mack some second day picks," you know, whether it be third third round or fourth round, maybe even second round, I'd say. And for, we'll and we'll get Derek Carr, and we'll also flip Cleo Mac to you. I got to say, like that's interesting. I would think about that because. You know, no offense to Derek Carr, but we need a defense. Now, that's not like the greatest trade to get, you know, but that sounds more appealing to me than getting Deshaun Watson because you have Cleo Mack that makes a difference on a defense. And then, you know, unfortunately, we did have Marcus Mariota and really he played decent against uh, what team did he go in for? I can't even remember what team we lost to that team, by the way, but we had Marcus Mariota to help us out. I'm blanking on that team right now, but anyways, I mean, we had Marcus Mariota that kind of was a kind of can keep the the ship afloat. And so, if we did have to flip Derek Carr for some draft picks and Cleo Mack to let's say the Bears, that's not the worst trade at all. I would say you know that's understandable. Is it something we should do? No, but I would like it a lot better than Deshaun Watson. You know, not that Deshaun Watson's not a great quarterback. Like I said, I would love him on the team, but that's not what the Raiders need. But, anyways, I think at the end of the day, with the Derek Carr kind of drama regarding if we're, he's going to get traded, if we're going to trade him for Deshaun Watson, now there's even rumors that we're going to sign him to an extension. I have no idea what the Raiders are doing if this is all true reporting. Like, it is so wish washy. I think at the end of the day, in my prediction, and then Drew doesn't, Drew, I think I'm, I don't think I mentioned this to Drew yet, but in my prediction, in my prediction, I don't know if Derek Carr comes back as the Raiders quarterback this um, new season for 2021. I think with all the talks of trading him, uh, Deshaun Watson talks, um, I don't even know if they'll extend him. They may extend him to give him like maybe a few years of guaranteed dollars but then trade his contract next season, next offseason or whatever. But you know, I got to imagine there's teams like the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe the Bears are, are calling um, you know, what's another team that's in like a quarterback disarray? Uh, Texans are probably calling right now too. I wouldn't be surprised. I Maybe the 49ers have been calling about it, you know, who knows? But um, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Denver Broncos have been calling. I mean, any name any team that needs a quarterback. they probably have hit up the Raiders and asked them what they're asking prices for Derek Carr and we're listening. That just tells me, I don't think that the Raiders um, keep Derek Carr on the roster. I think his days are numbered. I would be... I'd be happy if he starts the season as the Raiders quarterback because I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he's a really, really good quarterback. I just hear all these rumors, and it's kind of disheartening. I mean, this guy has helped kind of bring this franchise along. And, yeah, you have John Gruden, which you can always, for some reason, it just seemed like they never had the, a great relationship. And it's unfortunate that it's kind of looking like it's a nasty divorce in public, but, you know, for the most part, if I had to predict something, I would say I don't think the I don't think Derek Carr – is the Raiders quarterback come the start of the season because of all that that's going on. So that'd be my prediction on that. So, all right guys. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. I did mention that we were going to talk a little NBA. Uh, The only thing I was going to say is, you know, there's a little bit of controversy with the all-star game going to happen on March 7th at Atlanta. Um, So I'm just curious what you guys think, if that's a good idea or not. Um, Drop it in the comment section down below. I got to be honest with you. I would love to see an all-star game, but you hear players like LeBron and Giannis are not real thrilled about it. It's supposed to help HBCU colleges and also coronavirus uh, relief funds. So it's for a good cause, but you know, how, how? what do you think? You guys think that this is a good idea? You guys think that we should have an all-star game? Do you guys even want an all-star game? Let me know down in the comment section below what you guys think. Um, but I think you guys, I'm done. I'm going to wrap that up and, uh, I appreciate you guys listening to me on, again on this, uh, Saturday morning, afternoon, whenever you guys are listening to this, um, again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at drew code sports talk also to go to fnxfitness.com use drew code 15 as the promo code to get 15% off your merch or your supplements for your workout journey. Also, don't forget to visit, um, www.drewcodesportstalk.com to listen to full podcast episodes Also, you can watch YouTube videos on there and you can click on any of our social media links, any of the links that you listen to the podcast on, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, or now on iHeart. So I appreciate you guys listening. Drew will be back next week. So with all that being said, you guys, I will see you all next week. Have a great day.